So yeah, welcome to the Monday meeting. And I guess it's October 1st, so we're finally in October. We are going to record this one. We we're just talking a little bit. So um, if you guys can't join us today for whatever reason, we can probably get you a copy of this. So um, I want to talk about kind of client red flags and mostly because Damon in the chat has been talking about them and how to fire a client. So I just thought it would be a good idea. Um, but if you guys have any like opening topics that you guys want to talk about, if there's anything that's come out over the weekend, inspiration or stuff, let me know. And uh, I'll put those in the comments and notes as well. But um, outside of that, I don't really have anything prepared. Mark's in Vermont. He was at some kind of golf tournament charity thing. Um, I don't really know the details of that. So he's driving back through New Hampshire into Vermont today. So uh, yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of Damon, he's posting stuff in Slack right now <laughs> about about what's going on. Uh, man, all right. So he's having a ton of trouble. Looks like he just got feedback from the client about saying he wants to start, start. the contract. So, yeah, that's not good. Why don't we start from the beginning? So, Matt, since you kind of have audio, and if you want to join in, do you guys have like a list of red flags that you check off before, or like anything that would stop you from starting a project with the client? Uh, ignore the on hold music that you'll hear on my phone right now. I'm trying <laughs> to get a hold of my energy company. Um, oh, okay. Uh, and so if I have to go, <laughs> just know yeah, that. no, that's cool. Uh, Dave, Dave has kind of ingrained it in me uh, about the whole contract thing. So really, like, we, as long as, if we've worked with them before, this is what I was saying on the chat yesterday, if we've worked with them before and we know they're good, then we don't make them pay a down payment and we're net 30 with them, you know? But for all new clients, it's 50% down and the rest on delivery. So the biggest thing is biggest red flag for me is if they complain about the, uh, the, uh, the 50% down as like Barton said, you know, if they er, has told us if they can't afford the 50% down, they're not going to be able to afford to pay you period. Yeah. I've never heard that before. And when you mentioned that last night, I was like, damn, that makes so much sense. Like if, if they're walking at 50%. Yeah, seriously. I mean, honestly, like it's the, price of doing business is you got to know that and it makes it easier to do the 50% down when you explain to them this is for first customers only you know hmm. needs to I'm not sure um, yeah I mean for me I, I've said this in the chat I, I'm kind of like Joey in the sense where I don't have a contract that I normally put in place, but in my estimates, I make those like legally binding too. So I like, I have it that they sign off on that and they know here's the schedule and the scope of work. So I kind of use more of like a scope of work and emails and things like that as my reference for legal grounds. Um, as far as like red flags though, yeah, definitely like if they can't afford 50% down, I'll work with clients and do like 30 or like 33, 33, 33 if they need to. So like, 33 down, 33 in the middle of the project, and then 33 upon delivery. Yeah, I could see that. You know, as long as people are willing to pay something, you know, right. uh, yeah. I don't know. Especially like for a larger project set, like 
once you start getting over like 10 or $15,000, people start to get weary about their money and where it's going, how it's being used. So breaking it down is usually a little bit easier. Um, let's see, Damon's client is saying they still don't contract if they're net 30. God, that's terrible. He, so I, I think I'm just going to jump into it. Have you guys ever fired a client? Because I've fired a few clients and it's been fine. Like it, it, it's usually pretty amicable. Just say like, Hey, sorry, now that we're starting to get into this, I don't think this is going to work out or the best fit. And I'll usually recommend someone if I think that it's worth recommending someone. Um, but I know Damon doesn't want to fire this person, but I, th I think it's worth it. I, I think, you know, the loss of money that may be there or that you may not even be getting, like in the case of Damon, I don't think he's going to get paid. Um, oh, sweet. He's in the waiting room. I don't know what's up with this waiting room thing. I need to fix that. Oh, there's Sage. Sweet. What's up, Damon? We're talking about client red flags, man. <laughs> so you can definitely join us if you want. Um, Sage, what's up? I don't know if you're actually going to be talking. I see you lighting up a little bit. So Damon's getting on his stuff. So, um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. It just, I can hear people in the background, but I can still hear you. Okay. Well, my, my whole thing, I was looking at that, that, uh, you know, what they said about that, um, project and not having a contract. It's like, oh no, we're doing net 30. So we don't need a contract. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like right. they're like, well, we haven't seen you deliver anything yet. So this is just based on trust. Well, that's the whole point of a contract is that you don't need trust. You have an actual contract that says, I'm going to deliver what you are asking for and you are going to pay me for the thing that I am asking, that, that I am asking you for. So like, what is wrong with that? If somebody is that uh, like weird about signing a contract, there's something going on. And especially they're asking for files already. You know, my thing with files, first of all, I don't, Matt, I don't provide files for most clients. There's a couple of clients that we do provide files for. Just um, unless it's specifically like known at the beginning of the project that we are giving the files, we don't get fired. Yeah. And, and if like exactly, yeah, exactly. If we go work for Barton, you know, we're working at his place and of course he's keeping the files. Right. You know? Um, but if we're doing something for it's B2B, they can't come back to us and be like, oh, at the end of the project, can we have all your files? It's like, no, you're not paying us for the files. You're paying us for the final product. That's all you're paying for. Right. And if you want it, we write it in the contract. It's a pretty substantial amount of money. It's something like double the price of the entire project to get yeah. the files. Because you don't want them to just take those files to someone else and have someone else do it you know oh you build this entire crazy octane scene and then they need changes and they just take it to the local college student and get it done for 50 bucks there we go right you know oh, there we go. And you're, you're giving away your trade secrets too because they open up those projects and they see the way that you work and you might have a certain way of doing things that makes things a little more efficient for you in order to save time and make more money and so if that's the way that you work and if those are your, kind of your secrets of working, you don't want to just give that to people, you know? Um, and, and the other thing is if you are doing a net 30 and you're doing, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're doing 50% down, net 30, net 60, whatever it is, 
you should have something in there. If you're going to deliver files, it says, okay, we're going to deliver the product, but we're not going to give you the files themselves until payment's made. Because they could just take it and run with it, do anything they want with it after that. And you do technically have legal recourse, but unless it's like a $20,000, dollars dollars $50,000 project, you're not going to take it to court. Right. You're not going to spend time and money trying to suck that money out of that. It's not. It's just not going to be worth your time. Therefore, you're going to lose all that money. Right. You know, there's a certain amount of loss. There's a certain threshold when it comes to that stuff. But what you're really going to pursue in court, let's be mm-hmm. honest, you're not going to go to court over a $500 project that you spend an hour on. You know, it's not worth your time. So, yeah. Yeah. So Damon, you you have joined us. I think I can hear you yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about like ha- like where you found the client and? <laughs> um, it was actually in our Discord. It was in the Motion Designers Community Discord. Okay. Guy Luke Geyer, but he didn't really specify anything. And then I emailed, and they're like, "Oh, we'll send you a brief." I'm like, "Okay, cool." Never got a brief, and then. They're like, they asked what my rate was. I told them my rate and they're like, oh, well, all we have for 10 days is this amount of money. And I'm like, all right, I could work with that. And I tried being positive about it. I was like, hey, you know, I, I like to work with budgets if I can, no big deal. I usually just, you know, when a client asks, a potential client asks for my rates, I automatically send them my day rate just because if they can afford to pay it, cool. If they can't, if they can't, then obviously I'll work with them depending on their budget. And then initially I had asked about a deposit and he mentioned something about net 15 and now I'm talking to him privately actually because I asked about I was like they asked for files because mm-hmm. basically what happened is they sent me this horribly optimized scene where these boxes like appear up um, out of the ground with a plane effector then they drop down well I guess they they wanted me to do something magical with it and I'm like okay so I worked on it and worked on it but like I don't you really use plane effectors that much in that fashion like most of the stuff that I do I use a lot of cloners and step effectors because it's a lot of looping stuff you know I don't really need to you know so I did some studying and I worked on it and I ended up contacting him letting him know because on Octane 3.08 it would not render the scene in, po- mm-hmm. in picture viewer. So once I updated to the latest uh, unstable build, I was able to get it rendered. But I, I, I contacted the guy that I initially contacted and go, hey, these models are way too dense for an animation. Why? He's like, well, can you remodel them? I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, which I did. And mm-hmm. it's, it's boxes with bows on it, no big deal. But I did it anyways, you know. Um, and then he, I started sending scenes and this guy, Luke, was like, yeah, sure, it looks great, cool. Can you tweak this or that? I'm like, all right, fine. And then like a day later, the guy in charge, this Dijon Jovanic, Jovanovic, comes in and goes, yeah, no, that's not, that's not what I want. And I'm like, but this guy said, it. he's like, yeah, no, it's not that you're not wrong, but I want something different. And I'm like, okay, great. So a couple of days in, you change the scope. So now it just got to a point where I'm just like, you know what, I don't think this is the right project for me, you know. I haven't gotten a deposit anyways, because again, he, he said something about net 15, which I've never heard before on a deposit. A deposit is, everybody on one of us knows what a deposit is for, you know? Right, yeah. So um, this morning, you know, they asked for files again, and I'm like, hey, um, sure, no problem. Would it be possible to get some kind of contractor place or at least a deposit? And he's just like, uh, where was the thing? Okay, he's like, hey, Damon, sorry that doesn't work. It's based on trust. As you, as you haven't really delivered anything so far, I can offer you a net 30 contract, but I would advise to discuss this in private via email. Shouldn't be part of a discussion with Luke and work chat. I'm like, all right, feel free to PM me. So I, I was just like, I normally I don't even begin work on a project without at least a deposit and certainly don't release files without one. I'm sorry if you feel I haven't produced anything, but I've been working on this for multiple days. He's like, sorry, but unfortunately we don't see any progress and we can't pay for anything we don't see. I hope you understand that. I'm like, what have I been sending you? 
He's like, work of five minutes. I'm like, excuse me, five minutes? He's like, I'm sorry, but the mock-up you've created and shared with you, which is what took our intern 15 minutes. And I'm like, well, then uh, have your intern do it. In 15 that's what minutes. I just told. That's what I just told him. Yeah. He's, he's just like, how many days of work do you say? He's like, we have not paid a single freelancer in the past five years in advance. You finish a good job. You send me the invoice. You get paid within net 30. But so far, the work you've delivered can't really be used. And I don't have much trust to advance any payments to you as I doubt you will make today's deadline. Happens after pushing it out till blah, blah, blah. He's like, I have a feeling you know that you can't deliver what is needed for this job. Is this why you want a prepayment? So I was like, if you feel my work is not up to par, then why do you want to continue working with me? Apparently your intern could do it better than me. And he's about to respond. So yeah, I mean, I'm basically just like, you know what, we're done. You know, this is not how it works. Period. Well, let me let me ask you this though. Like, how much like so you didn't have a contract? No. Okay. Because you know, I had this problem. Uh, this is before Matt and I were even working together, honestly. This is back when I was freelancing and really just starting to figure out, you know, how am I going to take care of this? I didn't have any business training. I didn't have any, you know, I went to college for other things. So I'm trying to figure all this out. And the biggest thing that would happen to me is that I would take somebody's word for something and I would regret it later, you know, and so the very first thing that contracts do is establish that you're legit yeah. that's the first thing and when you get them to sign on the line which is dotted you make them feel like they are committing to something and it's it's kind of I, I know like sometimes contracts for something even small is just like oh whatever you know but like you just it's a subconscious thing with your client that makes them think oh this guy is serious about having a contract and I'm signing something and it's just kind of a mental thing where when it's laid out and they, they sign something, they feel like they're working on something that is a full on commitment and they can't screw you around. They can't fall back and say, well, you didn't do this, this and this um, because a contract is going to have a rundown of what you're going to do just like an invoice has. An invoice doesn't say, you know, um, animation. <laughs> animation ten thousand dollars it breaks it down right it yeah. says i'm going to spend four days doing this and then five days doing this and then two weeks doing this and then this is the post and so if you break it down you do have a contract and they come back and say well you didn't deliver anything so i don't need to pay you anything well then you say well actually on the contract we said i was going to spend five days doing this i did that part so tell you what why don't you just pay me for that part we'll call it a day you know, so at yeah. least you have that written down saying, look, I've, I've spent five days doing this. So they can't come back and say, look, well, that's five work because you told them on paper before you started, no, I'm going to spend five days doing these things because it's going to take five days. Because if that's the case, if they really thought it took five minutes, why didn't they have someone do it in five minutes? Why did they have, why did they hire someone? Yeah, because like I, I mentioned last night after I talked to you guys a bit going, hey, I don't think I'm the right guy for this project. I apologize. I'll put you in a bad spot. And they're like, no, no, no. And then like I actually messaged the original guy, Luke, and he's just like, he's like, well, why don't you try some other stuff? And I'm like, why? I've tried other stuff. And every time I try something, you know, your dude comes back and goes, no, it's not magical or whatever. And I'm like, listen, man. And I've literally spent like I've spent 12 days. 12 hours a day for the last like four days trying to deconstruct the scene and figure out how it works. I've asked questions, you know, I've tried to figure it out. It's just not my thing. Like I, I asked him, well, did you look at my portfolio? Did you go to my web? Did you see the stuff I do? I don't do this stuff. Why did you hire me? 
why did you agree to bring me on to this project when it doesn't match a single thing I do? Sure, I'd love to work with on those those phone things with uh, what's his face, um, that really awesome guy. Um, what's his name? Damn it, the guy that does all the phone commercials with everybody. Oh, um, yeah, we were just talking. I forget his name right now off the top of my head, but yeah, Yambo, Yambo, oh, Yambo. Like I could probably produce that stuff easily. It's just not normally my style. So it's like, I mean, I think that where, where I'm getting into now is before like the last year when I still had my day job and I was doing this freelance stuff, it wasn't like a real business. You know what I mean? It wasn't, I wasn't dependent on doing my freelance. Now I am totally freelance and I do need to kick it up to a different level where I am more of a professional. It is more of a business. It's not just extra money on the side because now this is my main income, but if I'm sitting here getting as stressed out about working on these jobs, like every single job, I'm going to burn out in like a year, you know? And I, and the problem is, is right now, because I'm, I'm in, I'm in kind of, you know, panic mode. Cause I've got, I've got another kid on the way. My, my wife is due at the end of February, you know, I've got my two year old and I mean, she's working, but now it's like, this is all I have to make, you know, money. So I, I just need to stop jumping at every stupid job that gets posted. I need to look into it more and make sure it's what something I'm into and that I can actually produce properly, you know, cause I see friends like, you know, like Alex Ness, like this kid that I got on the Imagine Dragons job with me, like he's been working consistently since then. He's always passing off jobs like, but he's doing all these basically looping concert visuals and as monotonous as I can get, I'd probably, I'd rather do that than like this stupid Saks Fifth Avenue stuff. Like, well, it, it's a high profile job and that's great, but working with these people, I don't think I'd even get any credit for it. So, well, it's yeah. about vetting the clients. That's yeah. Thing. You know, you, you wouldn't believe how many times, I mean, it's just about every time. If I could have, usually we don't get a cold call. It's, it's usually a referral of some sort, even if it's an acquaintance. But uh, if somebody says, oh, so-and-so from this thing wants some done, um, and I wanted to connect the two of you. I always met those people. You know, uh, I had one the other day. Uh, it was uh, oh, it was Real Effects. Somebody at Real Effects uh, gave our name to somebody to do some sort of logo or something like that. And they sent an email that was kind of vague. And I figured out who they were. They're a local singer in Dallas. And I looked them up and I saw footage of them playing on TV and I actually knew the keyboard player. So I'm like, okay, well, I have kind of an in. I could be like, oh, you're a keyboard player. I know him. And I, I bet these people kind of feel them out. But I was looking at what they were doing and the person didn't really have like anything that looked like they had done motion graphics before. So I'm like, okay, this person's going to be new to this. They're not knowing what they're going to get into. And we got on the, we got on the call. And um, I'm veering off on the story a little bit, but I think it's a good anecdote is they, they call and they, they're like, we're doing this thing and it's going to be a great opportunity to blah, blah, blah. And the whole time I'm thinking, you want this work for free, don't you? Yeah. And of course, that's what it ends up being. But vetting the client ahead of time, looking at their work, looking at articles about them, looking at just who they are in general, if there's any talk about them online that says, oh, this person didn't pay, like, it's it's kind of creepster, but it's like Facebook. No, you should. I mean, they kind of talks about that in the freelance manifesto as well. It's how you even track down potential clients. Is you kind of have to be a little creeper about it. So it's the same thing. Like I said, I just need to. I need to. I mean, I need to up my game. I do. Um, I mean, I still have a lot to learn in, in doing this professionally. You know, like it was. It was. It was interesting. Like I said, I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in like the motion design 
discord and I'm in another discord for, you know, it was called three douchebags. It was with a bunch of guys. But then when I got to hang out with you guys all at NAB and whatnot, it was a whole different environment and story. Like just the, the, like, I've also learned a lot of times when I really need better answers for my questions. Like I come into your guys' Slack instead because there's more industry professionals in the Slack with motion designers. It's a ton of like, it's a bunch of guys like on my level, but then there's a bunch of beginners and it's like, there are some professional guys, but for the most part, you guys, you know, are all mostly professionals, but yeah, I just, I just got to take a step back and really, you know, figure out the right, a, a process, you know, like a really, really tight, secure process. Like I got to go, like I say, I got to read, finish reading the freelance manifesto. And then the other thing that you guys dropped in here uh, last week or so, I got to go back and like really dig into that and really look at this from a whole different perspective. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Bart, I mean, Barton's totally inspirational and Matt and Dave will tell you that too. Like he's just, a, any, anytime he's on something, I want to listen to it because he always has really good nuggets of information because he's very open about business. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if you were on when I first started, uh, but I said like, I don't generally use contracts and Joey says that in the freelance manifesto a bit. And that's mostly because like when I submit an estimate, I also submit like a scope of work and use the estimate as like legal binding a bit. So it's like, once they sign off on this, the scope of work has it laid out that it's 50% down and then 50% at the end. Or if the client can't afford that for whatever reason, I'll usually do like 33, 33, 33 or whatever, 30, 40, 30, something like that. Break it down a little bit more. Um, so I, I would say don't don't get too wrapped up in like having to have like legit legal uh, contracts and things like that. But you you can cover your ass with like things like scope of work and and just like a general estimate that they sign up on because if you bring that to a court, the the court will say, well, you knew about this stuff. Like it, even though it's plain English and not legalese, um, so. I would say if you, if you step back and just make like a really solid estimate and have like a scope of work document that you can use, then that that's usually a lot easier to work with in my opinion. That way, yeah. Even our contracts are technically scope of work. Like they've seen an estimate and it's just the estimate laid out, but there's just a couple more paragraphs of here's how it's going to be laid out. Here's, you're going to have to pay a late payment if you don't do this. It's really basically just a scope of work with a signature. And, and it's not like it goes to a lawyer, you know, it just goes through who to sign just to make it easy to sign with the finger on the iPhone. And it's, it's signed in like 10 seconds. It's the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. I, I, I think I've just gotten lucky with a lot of like my earlier bigger clients. Cause like for most of the big stuff I've done, it's been for the same guy who pretty much, you know, he, he's more of an after effects guy, but he hires artists. Like he's hired a lot of guys in the industry, but I got lucky where like the first job I did for him, like he picked six of my daily designs. He wanted me to animate them. He's like, here, I'll just give you 500 per design and I'll pay your day rate and I'll give you, you know, the six designs up front. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know, so I don't worry about it. Like when he calls me up to do a job, I don't get a deposit from him anymore. He's just like, oh, I have like 1200 bucks for this scene. Can you animate 10 seconds for me? I'm like, sure, no big deal. And that's of course, usually- We do that with our regular clients too, where it's like, okay, we don't need contracts anymore. Yeah. Now, what about like jobs that you have that like, like I got on this job, I got handed this job from another guy, which originally it was sold to me for like 3,400 bucks. I was just supposed to render and do post. 
And then it turned out because the clients are so, look, the end client is so horrendous. Like they can't make up their minds. I've been on this job a month now. Like they, they did overages of like another 1600 and then they had another 500 on top of it. But it's like, it just won't end. And I told the guy, I'm like, I understand you'll pay me because he gave me a deposit. I forgot to ask, but he was nice enough to after the fact, like a weekend. But I'm just like, how does that work when it's like a project had an original scope, but then it keeps adding on. You're like, dude, I got bills to pay, man. Like, I understand you'll pay me at the end, but what do I do in this? Well, again, we we have some contract about if the project goes over uh, the original scope, it's put on hold for 30 days. You've got to pay for that portion of it. Yeah, and I got. I really need to develop a contract. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go into that part more on the show today. But like the the whole thing with the contract that I've said before is that you are you are putting in a clause for every excuse that anybody ever comes up with. And most of the time, you're not going to have to deal with it. But I will tell you that recently, and we'll talk about these situations on the show today. Recently, we have had some issues come up that have never come up with us before as a company. And those contracts have really helped us to rein in and say, no, go back and look at your contract. This is what you agreed to. And they've had to step up, especially because the clients we were working with were rather large companies. And, and most of the time, it has to do with someone within the company just not paying attention and not reading and not really thinking about what they're doing. Yeah, half, half of my issues that come up, especially like payment, is that you're working with a producer that hired you or a creative director that hired you. And then when it comes to like their HR department or accounts payable, accounts receivable, yep. all that, it's a completely different person and they weren't part of all that. And then you find out, oh no, we normally pay in, you know, net 45, net 60. And that's where you have to like whip out the emails, whip out the documents and scopes and estimate and be like, no, this is what somebody in your company agreed to and sorry that's not your normal deal but they agreed to this so um that that's where some of that like stuff comes in like dave was saying like stuff that falls back or like somebody else in the company didn't get to see um yeah i mean i guess too the initial topic was going to be like client red flags so we already talked about not paying a deposit or not willing to pay a deposit what this is going to sound so stupid, but somebody that can't write an email to me properly for whatever reason, just always, it seems like it's a red flag. Like, Hey, Joe or Steve or whatever your name is. Yeah. I, I have this time available on Monday or I'm available all day, Tuesday. What time works for you? And they just write back, here's my phone number. It's like, all right, you're already missing details, like stuff like that. Like that, that's totally a red flag right from the beginning. Um, Trying to think of yeah, what else. Those people that are too busy to even read your email that just asks you to set up a meeting are not going to be able to really watch a video and give you good notes on what to change. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I just got to observe all this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like. If I don't want to like wash my mouth out with buckshot and like the next year doing this, I need to really nail shit down and get things working right now as I'm beginning to be full-time freelance. Otherwise I'm just going to lose my shit, you know, in a couple months. Cause that's yeah. kind of what happened around nav. Like I was getting burnt out between working my full-time job and trying to do freelance and then trying to like, not really do daily, but just actually design stuff that I enjoy designing. And right after nav, I kind of just stopped doing everything. Like I just got burnt out from the stress of trying to just produce. And then 
the job thing happen where they're like, well, we don't have a budget to pay you what you're worth because we don't know how to market what you do because we're a bunch of idiots and we've used you <laughs> for three years. Um, you know, so I was trying to get, to get back on the horse and I just got back on the horse wrong. So, I mean, this, I really appreciate this. Like, you know, all the, the feedback and the advice you guys are giving, it's really good to have this resource, honestly, because I'm a newbie. Yeah. I mean, the, the first year is the worst. It really is. Like it's, it's hard and like, it's not, not only just hard client wise, but just like mentally too. And like your schedule and getting that straight because it's, it's kind of, it's like going against your instincts a little bit of like working nine to five. And then all of a sudden you have all this freedom. So you're like, ah, I can work whenever I want. And then your schedule gets wonky and you start sleeping weird hours and things like that. And, um, Oh yeah. I, I, well, cause I get up typically at 9am because that's when the kid wakes up, starts screaming. And like, like say for the last two days, my wife's been working days. So I have him all day while I'm trying to work as well. Mm. So I get up at nine and I don't think I go to bed until like two on average. Mm. And that's usually like, I, sometimes I, I kind of cut off working at midnight so I can go like play video games for a couple hours to unwind and shit like that. And that's where it's been like the last couple of weeks where literally it's been like 12 plus hour days. Cause right now, and I also overbooked, like I'm on technically on three projects right now. Mm. Dude, Which I was in the same place with like my, my, when my daughter was born where I was trying to watch her during the day while my wife went to work before we had a, a babysitter and it just, it was rough. It's like, don't expect to actually get any work done until like nine to four in the morning. You know? Yeah, I mean, because she, she sometimes she works nights, but that's just it with the with the new baby on the way. The problem is for the last two years, her schedule's wonky. Like sometimes she's basically gone ten hours a day, no matter what. So you know, and I work from home, and I've been working from home for the last two years. So that's why, like, what I'm, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm trying to get like ten or fifteen k in the bank for February, so I can take March off, March and like almost April off, where I can I can field some jobs, but I don't have to work, so that I can help her with the baby. And, and then my two-year-old and whatnot. And that's why I'm freaking out. Cause I'm like, I, I need to get, you know, I don't need money so I can buy more graphics cards. I need money so I can <laughs> take a month off. Well, you know? if it's possible, even if you can find somebody that's a local sitter who could help you maybe, let's say from eight to noon or something. So you can we get have, for, you know, that kind of thing. Her brother and her sister-in-law who have two kids live five minutes down the road. I just feel bad about it. I mean, the mom's a stay-at-home mom. She doesn't have a job anyways. I don't know. I just feel weird about it but yeah i have that option i just don't take it as much as i should like even today it's monday i could have called first thing in the morning but like hey can i drop them off for a few hours but uh yeah no it might be worth it to pay someone just for like a few hours a day or something just so you can you know be well, able to have that time the thing that's also pissing me off is like i'm not getting to spend any time with my kid right now either like you know he wakes up at nine I feed them, I feed them like every four hours, but that's the only breaks I take from work. And then I put them back to bed around nine o'clock and then I'm still working. So it's for like the last week or so I haven't gotten to spend any time with my kid. And I'm like getting annoyed with that shit because he's only two and I want to spend time with him, and it's pissing me off. Like it's, it's, it's all about prioritizing. It's, it's getting control is really what I need to do. I need to find that control you have to have when you're doing this professionally, you know, and it's just going to take some time. But yeah, I mean, that's, well, that's the thing is like right now it's like paying like a babysitter or daycare would almost take up my wife's entire income. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. When my, oh man, I think when my daughter was born, I was still finishing up my last year of college and it was just atrocious. Like daycare is terrible. It, it, 
it's I, I think it costs something like twenty eight thousand a year or something. Jesus. Yeah, like for an actual daycare. I uh, actually go to school. Like it's such a relief because you're like, oh, now they're going during the day, and it doesn't cost me anything except property taxes. Yep, and uh, I doubled my the size of my house once my kid got out of daycare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. And then if you have two, then we ended up having a, a second child, and then you pretty much are doubling that. So you know, like forty thousand a year for for just oh, them. The other thing, that first six weeks is just freaking hell, too. I remember mm -hmm. with with this one, like you know, it's like we're trying to take shifts of sleeping because she had to have an emergency C section, so she definitely needed more rest and couldn't get around that much. I mean, we were just at each other's throats the whole time because you know, babies are they just don't stop screaming for like the first couple of weeks. So, you know, and then this guy, he's, he's barely, he's not even two yet. He'll be two in January. So it's like, we still technically have another baby. So that's why I want to be able to take that time off. Yeah. Because trying to work during that is just going to drive me absolutely insane, mm. you know? But yeah, no, I mean, Barton, like you mentioned, uh, Barton and whatnot, like I did, I tried, I screwed up my, 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 I guess my audition for ABC, like, I was at that time where like, I was just really out of my head. Like I couldn't really do anything. And he gave me a job and I kind of, I, I felt at the end I got what he wanted, but then he just, you know, it, I guess I just, I definitely wasn't ABC material. And that's totally understandable. He's a professional and he has to have only the top of the top in his company. And I mean, I think I'm a solid artist, but I'm definitely not, you know, like Mark who works, you know, for him and whatnot. Plus Mark does Houdini. So you know, I mean, I would love to get a studio job. I'd love to, I mean, I, I have this option right now where my previous job, the last thing they offered me was basically 20 guaranteed hours a week at $30 an hour. No benefits, obviously, because I don't qualify and it's all, it's all W9. So I'm like, I'm debating if I want to kind of backpedal and take that just so I have a secure 600 bucks a week right now, you know, to make sure in case while I'm going through this transition, I just don't want to seem like I'm going back to them with my tail between my legs. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean if, if you did temporarily, that's not a big deal. I mean, it's just to make things work. And, well, I know they, they have like a huge modeling trying. job. They have that huge that huge store they still need me to finish, and they only have 2500 bucks for a budget for it. So technically, if I'm charging my day rate to them, it's only a week, and I can't get that done in a week. So I might kind of go back to them and go, hey, you know, if you want, if you guys want to do that thing, I can do that, and that way I can, I can take two weeks and do it for you. Trying to find a way so that I'm not going back to them with, you know, begging, where it's more or less it's still their idea to give it to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I mean, Matt and I both, neither one of us were on our own at the point where we had kids. And so, you know, it might be a thing where you still need to do some stuff on the side. Uh, like, maybe not a full-time job, but maybe a part-time job and do stuff on the side until you get past the that point where like you didn't have the baby and you know, things can settle down a little bit and kind of get your schedule worked out get some money in the bank you know yeah i mean ideally going going full-time freelance you're supposed to kind of only you're supposed to do that when you have so many clients that you can quit your day job like i did the thing that i always kind of give people shit for is like you didn't go freelance because you had a choice you went freelance because you didn't have a choice and that's the wrong way to go freelance and i know that and I knew that. I mean, like I said, being a 40-year-old dude with, you know, another – with the second kid on the way, it's like it's a bad time in my life to do this. But at the same time, what better time is there, you know? Yeah. I mean, you can't – it's kind of like having kids. You can't exactly plan for it. Like, the, you can, but you can't. Yeah, like, no. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. You know, it's exactly like having a kid that way where it's, like, stressful too and everything that comes up with it. Um, 
I mean, I think it's perfectly fine to still have a job part-time and, or even like an old employer or whatever, just so you can build up your clientele or however you want to do it. Cause I mean, I, I freelance full time, but I still like every quarter work for school of motion as a TA. So I have that like constant supplemental income too. So like if I have a, a slow period, it's still like a little bit of a buffer. So especially in your first year starting out, like I wish I had that, like I was stupid about it. Like I, my contract for discovery channel was up and I was like, well, I don't really like what they're offering me. And Joey had had a freelance course come out before he did the manifesto. And I took that I was like, yeah, freelance sounds awesome. I want to do that. I got one client and I just was like, sure, I'm not going to sign back on to discovery. And so I got that one client and that was it for like three months. <laughs> so then I was like, now I need to find another client and another client. And it's, it's really tough that first year until you start to build the name for yourself and start to make connections. And like, like you said, you went to NAB, which is really great. And I, I know that ever since I started going to events and meeting other motion designers face-to-face -face, that they start to build up this trust where they'll hand off jobs where they're busy. Um, so like if you can have a part-time job and then still build up your freelance and then next year, maybe in March after you take time off, go back out to NAB or you go out to half res or wherever you want to go. See graph. I wanted to go to half res so bad this year. Just the <laughs> money, the money dropped off like real quick after that I left the job. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that is I, I need to get out of expecting day rate on every job because that's never going to happen. Mm -hmm. The other problem was I had history with this job where I'd been there three and a half years and they'd kind of been using me. And then, and then at the end, they kind of got really insulting. Where basically, originally the job was graphic design, account design, where I was making signs for Circle K, BS work, making eighteen dollars an hour. But the problem was the job was getting very stressful because they don't know how to limit their own clients. They won't say no to a client, and I literally mm -hmm. had the worst account in the house by the time I left it. So around January of last year, I forced them to kind of like, I, you know, I'm having the kid, so I'm going to work from home. And then at that point, I'm like, I don't want to. I'm not going to do account design for you anymore. I'm going to move to doing this motion design. At the time, I'd been upgrading my machine throughout this time. I mean, I've got a full 1080 Ti machine now. You know, I've got a pretty hefty machine. And at the end, they offered me like 50 grand a year doing the motion design plus doing the uh, graphic design on top of that. And I'm like, you guys are insane. You know, so and then all this time that I've been doing the motion design, they haven't marketed it to try and actually build it into something so that they could sell it. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the deal, I was just so annoyed and pissed off that I wouldn't take anything they offered me and like $30 an hour. I'm like, that's half my day rate again, being an idiot about that, but it's a guaranteed 600 bucks a week, no matter what guaranteed right. like salary. Yeah. And then of course I have the potential to make 40 hours a week. So it's 1200 bucks a week. I have a chance to make, I just wasn't thinking properly. And then I went back after I calmed down and I'm like, well, why can't I get benefits? And then duh, I didn't think about it. You have to get at least 35 hours to, to qualify for benefits usually. Yeah. So I'm like, Oh, that, yeah, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And then the taxes thing kind of, because last year wasn't too bad. I mean, I did pretty decent my first year doing a lot of big freelance. And in paying, I only think I only paid like 1600 So it wasn't too bad. Plus, mm -hmm. I had the actual year of full-time job to supplement that. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think that would be very smart is to go back and find a way to get on that where I'm getting that 600 bucks. And again, where if I where I've got no freelance, but I can, they've got 40 hours of work for me. I've got 1200 bucks that week. You know, mm -hmm. so initially it's still about 60 grand in a year, potentially. Yeah. And it's, well, that's the thing about like one of our clients that we had, we, you know, we pretty much stick to our day rate and 
we've actually upped our day rate quite a bit every year moving forward. But there's like one client in particular that Matt and I have that like for a long time we were giving him a huge discounted rate. And we even when we brought our main prices up, we brought his up as well, but not to the same rate. And it's one of those things where like when you don't have anything going on and he comes to you, you're like, well, you know, it's, yeah. it's work. And in the end, I think the first year we were doing that, I was doing the books at the end of the year and I looked and I was like, man, he is our second highest paying client. <laughs> Everybody, when you when you look at the numbers, you know, we did a lot more work for that amount of money, but yeah. still it was like, man, that's a big chunk of money that we made off of that. Yeah, I have a client like that too, where it's like first first real client, first or second real client, and so they're still hovering lower than everybody else. I think that just is kind of par for the course. Like you have a couple that just kind of linger. Yeah, I need to like start setting money aside for like you were saying about trying to do the meetups and whatnot. So I have them like say a grand or 1500 set aside for flight and travel and shit mm -hmm. like that to make sure I can go to each one of these things. Because NAB was just awesome. I mean, Dave... I can't give Dave enough props to let me follow him around and introduce me to all you guys that those four days. Like that was just crazy. Like I never thought, I mean, even, you know, meeting Nick and Chris and, and Andrew, you know, Kramer, like that, that was cool. I mean, but I hung out with most of you guys the whole time, you know? Um, but I mean, even like, you know, like Matt making sure like I was able to go to the, the Chris Angel show with you guys, you know, like that was just a great experience. And it's, I don't often, because again, in Florida here, there's nothing like there's no motion design here in Florida, really. Except, yeah. you know, there's no studio. So I think also getting to, to actually hang out and talk with you guys it will be a big factor as well. Because, you know, obviously everybody's pretty open on helping everybody else get further in this community. So it's just, yeah, like I just jumped in a little too fast and I got to reevaluate a lot of stuff. Um, it's just also I'm not the most, I guess, eloquent speaker. Like I, I'm very brutally forward and blunt a lot of times so like sometimes i can't think of the right word to say to somebody so I'm, i sometimes I, I when i get upset with a client i'm afraid to talk to the client mm. you know what i mean because i'm afraid like i, I don't necessarily want to lose the job so to speak like this one i'm going to tell the guy i think our business is done, <laughs> done with it but a lot of times like you want to go hey so yeah what you just said was kind of fucked up how about we uh, you know but you don't want to say hey the f-bomb to a client unless they've said it to you first yeah. There's there's something to be said though, you know, with the contracts and everything else, and introducing yourself about being extremely sure of yourself. Like I'm totally an introvert when it comes down to it, and I'm not a seller. I'm not a salesperson, but I do have a switch that I can turn on when I need to turn it on. And when I get a new client, I'm on the phone. I make sure that I sound incredibly confident about myself, overly confident sometimes like oh yeah yeah i mean i do this stuff like like this all the time you know even if i haven't done it before so yeah. it sounds like i really know what i'm doing and they don't want they don't think that uh you know on their side of the phone they haven't seen me they haven't looked at me they have no way to judge me and the first thing that i want them to think is that i am fully established and i've been doing this a really long time and i don't mess around because what's going to happen is if they think that you are uh, I mean, there's a number of things they could think you are. If they think you're new, if they think you're uh, a student, <laughs> if they think you're you know, fresh out of college and in your parents' basement, something like that, they are going to step all over you. So I try yeah. and establish it that we are a well-established company. 
that is like you are just another one of our projects and, and if you're gonna screw around we're just gonna we're just gonna fire you and we're just gonna move on to somebody else and they get that contract and they sign and they're like oh this person is legit and so we're not gonna give them a runaround and you know I I'm not good at that I'm really not good at that but like I've just got to the point where I've done it so many times that I have to turn on the switch and be the sales guy and you know kiss their butt in many situations and make it sound like you know I think what they're doing is great and they've got a great thing going even if I think what they're doing is stupid you know oh oh you have a, a Kickstarter project that uh, you know sends warm blankets to homeless uh, brownies that's great that's a great thing that's so awesome I'll do your graphics, you know, but I'm like, really? That's what you're doing? But that, that's actually my favorite charity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, that, but that's the thing, like, <laughs> establishing yourself is just such a big thing. It is a subconscious thing with the client to where they're not going to mess around. And well, not. you also have Matt who can sell anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's not necessarily true. I have a lot of clients who hate me. Well, I can see that, but I mean, you can sell well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I mean I, I think it's not so much selling stuff it's just like schmoozing with people and like yeah kind of getting on a more personal level with them at least for me that's that's how it is um normally uh, I'm, I'm not really trying to go in and just be like a businessman but i'm trying to just like get them to laugh at a joke and like Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I prefer to try and do that. Like, you know, I can, I can usually tell up front how personable the client's going to be. I mean, sometimes it's just a straight up just job, but a lot of times, you know, especially because of the, the darker theme stuff that I do, like I get a lot of, you know, band stuff and whatnot sometimes. And a lot of people, I mean, obviously EDM. Those are always rough. Yeah. Local stuff, especially. That's why I had to stop doing it. No, I mean, I, I'm a local musician. Nobody can afford to pay for that kind of crap. That's the problem with being in a band though, is they're like, Oh, you do that. We get it for free now. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's still a business guy. Sorry. Still got to pay me. Cause I've joined so many bands where like, I didn't know in the beginning it wouldn't work out. And then I do the logo for them and then I leave and then I've done a free logo for them. Yeah. Yeah. What's yeah, up, we, Ryan? We, I just saw you join. Hey how guys, how you doing? Good, how are you? I don't think you've ever been on one of these. What's up, man? I have it. This is my first one. So, um, yeah, you get those band well, people that come to you and they're like, how much do you charge for a music video? And you're like, what do you mean? How much do I charge for a music video? 100 to $1 million. Yeah, like if I have like, oh yeah, I have a base rate for that. Like, what, what do you think? If, if they're already not understanding how that works, then that's your first red flag. Okay, I'm working on one right now with this guy who hit me up. Um, He's get it's like it's a fully animated CG, you know, it's a futuristic city, fly throughs, that kind of crap. I mean, it's a simple kind of thing, but I mean, for a full CG thing of like, say, da Dave's uh, futuristic city tutorial, like all that pretty much, and then a bunch of close up stuff, like, say, five minute song, what, what would you kind of think average charge for something like that? I mean, my rule of thumb is about 10,000 per minute. Yeah, yeah that's not yeah, bad. Right. Seriously? Not bad. Yeah. Yeah, he's, oh, yeah. getting, he's getting five for the whole video and I'm getting half of that. I'm actually, and then you're getting yeah, screwed, bro. Getting two grand. Yeah. Uh, like, like depending on where you brought in, like, of course, like sometimes I'm just brought in. I'm basically designing this. all the environments. He's just doing the character stuff. I'm doing actually most of the freaking work on this. Yeah. So like on a job, I'll be an animator sometimes and that's it. 
or sometimes I'm just doing texturing and things like that. And that's where you don't get money like that. But if you're doing a full project and it's in your court, rough estimate is usually like eight to 12,000 per minute. And so I usually just say it's about 10,000 per minute. Wow. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this is is like, I mean, right now with these, well, obviously I'm not doing this other one, but like, you know, I've got, I've got, a decent chunk of change like five or six grand coming to me if i do these projects but it's the scope of work on these projects it's like is it worth the money so yeah because i mean like this other one the pill one that i'm working on like i said that was kind of a handoff that turned into a mess i don't know if i mentioned this to you guys but like a week or two ago i can't believe it was that long literally an eight hour webex with these people where they're just going tweak this tweak this and then i'm three weeks into the project and they bring a brand new creative director on who has no scope of the idea of of what the project's been done and there's three people saying in the room he goes why is that that way take that out and nobody's going no we told them to put that in so when he leaves the room they're like put that back in and like he's like oh change all the lighting well, yeah, but see that—that's what I'm saying. Like, I gotta—I really need to be up front. That's that's I'm the scope changing two times in, in an hour. It's changed four times in the entire project so far, and now I have to wait. And now I have to wait another week because the fluids guy is in London, and he's now on day five where he hasn't gotten us a revised fluid sim. And I told the, the creative director I'm working with, going, dude, every time we can do a revision on fluid, it takes two days for this guy to get it. Now you're telling me it's going to – so if they want three more revisions, that's at least a week. But now it's taken them four days so far. I think today's day five that I don't even know if we're going to get a sim from this guy. And I'm like, I can't do anything because I'm not going to render out an entire sequence without new sims. There's no point in me wasting my time or my machine. Is this a sim guy that they hired or that you hired? They hired. Okay. Well, that's all on them. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the longer this, the project goes, I mean, he's supposed to be getting me more money today because I mentioned, I'm like, listen, dude, I got bills to pay, man. I can't wait another month for you to pay me for this job to be done. I work my ass off for you. And he's like, no, no, I totally, he's a young guy. He's like, no, no, I totally understand. I've been there where like sometimes I'm with a client. I'm like, hey, I got to pay rent. So, he, I mean, he's very cool about the money. He's not, I mean, he's like, he keeps adding money for overages and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, the scope of the project, like I said, 3,400 bucks for a week of work of basically rendering posts has turned into a month of completely redoing the entire scene over and over again. Literally four times. I'm not joking. Yeah, I mean, all this to me sounds like it. All this comes back down to is a detailed, laid out uh, agreement that says exactly what you're going to do and when the payment dates are going to be, and all the different possibilities of things that could go wrong and happen, and what will happen in those situations. That well, I'm also 90% I'm also stuck in the fact that like these are these these people work on big high profile jobs, so I'm trying to make sure I can establish a repeat customer, and in that sense, that's also screwing me because it's the same thing he's doing. He's putting up with all this crap from these people because he wants them as a full time. And I told him, I'm like, listen, dude, you're not managing. I mean, and, and coming from me, you guys see how green I am. I'm like, dude, you got to manage your client a little better, man, because if you start this first job with them where you let them walk all over you, they're gonna do it on every job. You're not going to be able to establish dominance going exactly. forward. Exactly. Like I know that, but like that's what I'm saying. Like with these projects, that's why like with these this Saks Fifth Avenue thing. Like I mean, that's just it's just gone complete. I, I I started getting a feeling when like they for some reason like they're not happy with my work, but yet they won't let me go. And like okay, so yeah, I was like, hey, so listen, I don't really have as the maybe the exact experience you need on this particular scene. Let me jump onto another scene for you. Oh, those files are all messed up i'm like what do you mean they're all messed up who else is working on this and then he's like well here work on this other project and he's like he sends it to me i'm like yeah that's not the full animation he's like oh let me send you another one i'm like no that's exactly the same it's not the full animation he's like oh i don't i don't know where the file is 
Like you're in charge of this project and you don't know where the source files are for stuff, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. How am I the only one? Like, why is my scene the only one you need for today to show the client? I don't understand how that works. You're saying there's 40 different windows you're working on for Saks Fifth Avenue, but I'm the only one you need right now. Like it's just every day something else popped up. And yesterday, like I said, I told him the other day that my computer broke down. So I'm like, I was trying to just get out of it, but he's like, okay, well, you know, if you're in New York, you can work at the studio. I'm like, dude, I'm in Florida. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. So yeah, I'm just, I'm doing a lot wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I think you just have to fire them. Like this client sounds like a case of just saying to fire them. I just didn't know how common that was in the industry. I've done it before where I did have a contract with a client and the, you know, he just kept, I mean, literally in one shot of like, an hour to 20 different revisions. I'm like, listen, we can't keep doing this. You need to nail down what you want so we can get this project completed. If you don't, I'm going to have to terminate the contract. And he didn't listen. And then he tried having like this music producer guy and this attorney come after me. And I'm like, oh, actually, we didn't actually have a contract. And that's why I told the attorney. I'm like, there's no contract, dude. You can't do nothing. I warned the guy constantly. He's like, we'll just do the right thing. I'm like, the right thing? I'm like, okay, dude. So, I mean, I just didn't know if, like I said, I didn't want to get a bad reputation in the industry. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to burn a bridge because, you know, but this guy sounds like a, a jerk off anyway. So I don't think like he's going to be in a community of producers going, oh, you heard of that CCID graphics guys? Don't hire him. I don't see that yeah, happening. I don't think you're going to have a problem with that. It's, I put the link and I guess Sage put the link in there too. Have you watched the uh, contracts video that I created like a long time ago? Not yet. I got the link. I'm going to open it up. Because I think in there I talk about that very thing about establishing yourself from the very beginning so that as you're moving forward with with these same clients in the future, they know exactly what you're expecting. Because I had some one in particular that uh, was a client of mine when I was doing contract work, and he moved over to Nexus when Matt and I started the company. And before I started working with him, I got uh, kind of a, a little warning from one of my friends who had worked with him before. And he said, the problem with this guy is that sometimes he has trouble paying and or paying late or whatever it is. And uh, so going into that situation, I was really, really on high alert. And this is one client in particular where every single project that we have done for him has always had a contract every single time, even if it's a small thing, because I know what his history is. Again, it's that research, right? Yeah. So, so starting with his very first project, everything was laid out about the down payments. And I mean, even we started to even have problems and I had to move him to net 15 because he just wasn't paying. And he, they, got their company got bigger and they had an accounting department the accounting department wasn't paying attention and they weren't paying and they kept you know asking me why i'm doing late charges i'm like because you keep paying late every single time and they're like well we didn't get that i'm like well i have wave apps and it shows that you opened your invoice on the day i sent it and then 15 days later and then when you got the reminder you opened it again your accounting department is looking at these and I have record of this. Yeah. So establishing that. The accounting department, I love that. Well, this establishing though from the very beginning all the way through has made us um, that company that they go to for the really serious projects. And if they have something that's like a one hour logo, they give it to like some college dude and I'm fine with that. <laughs> then when they come back with the $20,000 um, logo that they want designed for a new television show, they definitely come to us because
because they, they say, oh, okay, this company is legit and we have a real budget and so we're going to use a real company, not like the guy that they found in college. And it's because we established that dominance from the very beginning. That's crazy, twenty grand for a logo. But I understand. It's just, I mean, I, I, I like for band logos. Like, I charge a hundred bucks for a logo for a local band, dude. I mean, it, it, well, no, I do, talking like a logo package. No, I know, no, I know, I know. I'm saying, know, but like, it's funny when even a local band's like, dude, really? Because I do the same thing. I'm like, I need fifty bucks before I start anything, and I need the other fifty bucks before I give you the logo. And they're like, what the hell? That's expensive. I'm like, dude, you're gonna use this logo over everything you produce over the next however long your band exists. A hundred bucks is a drop in the bucket, bro. I'm trying to help you out. You know, and then like the, when 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 lyric videos started becoming a thing, a really big thing, like five or six years ago, I started doing them, and bands are coming like like a base lyric video. I was only charging five hundred bucks. They'd be like, "That's insane. We can't afford that." And I'm like, "Then don't try and make a lyric video." Like, the the bands you're seeing do this, they have a label who pays people like three or four grand to do this shit. Like, mm-hmm. I had a buddy in LA who's like, "Yeah, this label's only paying like three or four hundred bucks to artists to do it." And I'm like, "Then fine, let them do it. I'm not doing it for that money anymore, dude." Like, he'll hit me up going, hey, can I get a logo for 50 bucks? I'm like, you've known me how long? Why would you think that would even be funny or entertaining? Yeah. I'm like, I've never charged you more than 100 for a logo. That's still a drop in the bucket. But, yeah, that's why I don't really – I mean, even, like, this local band in Miami that I did everything for for, like, five or six years, I just stopped doing it because it's like they'll pay five grand to a guy to walk around him horribly with a camera and do some shitty post work for a music video but won't pay me. I, I Their very first music video I did in physical, I spent 40 hours fucking – Wait, no, 400 hours, I'm sorry. I think 400 hours rendering that? 40 hours? I don't remember. Shit ton of time modeling and animating and rendering this thing, and I got 250 bucks because of a miscommunication with the band. Because I needed the money that bad at the time. I was unemployed. So I was like, okay. But then I showed it to someone, and they're like, yeah, that was a minimum of three grand, dude. And I'm like, of course. So... Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, like, bounce on this kid for this music video, but I can't really jam him up for more money. I know, I know money. it's, like, hard to not take a gig, but it really sounds like you need to be charging more and just spending more time on... Researching the client and the job, yeah. Getting, getting those better gigs, you know, because you could do 10 really crappy $100 gigs or you could do, like, a really solid $1,000 gig. And get it done in a day and have a yeah. thousand bucks instead of spending like a whole week going back and forth with 10 different clients on cheap projects yeah yeah Plus, like when you say no that leaves an opportunity to say yes to something else so like yeah i think if you're doing 10 100 projects that's going to eat up all your time but then if you had said no to all those you may have had like a five grand project come in yeah, like my buddy Alex came into our other Discord. And he's like, hey, I got this thing for Red Bull. I got this thing for so-and-so. And I'm like, damn it. I got these other – I was like, you know what, man? Just, you know, send him my info. Because it's like – it's yeah, it's some Red Bull music thing, and then it's for Snails. I don't know who that is. Some music, Red Bull music event, and one is for Snails. I'm assuming Snails is some stupid rap group or whatnot. But, I mean, the Red Bull music thing, the only thing I worry about with that with a lot – I've known with these festival gigs, you get screwed a lot. Yeah. Like – they, they don't want to pay you deposits and then it takes forever to get paid once you send them stuff. Like mm-hmm. I'm not even talking net 30. I'm talking like one guy, uh, Vitaly Havelrick, one of the guys in the community. I think he was owed like three grand from this festival chick for like ever. And he, he finally got paid because he was about to put her on blast out in the open and whatnot. But that's where I worry about working on a lot of the, the jobs. It's like, I still got to learn how to field the right thing. Cause I don't get a lot of like professional stuff. Mostly I get like the concert visual stuff is mostly, you know, 
I mean, the one job's great. Like I said, I always get my day rate. The guy pays for travel, you know, that I don't worry about with that. I don't care what it is because it's never going to be music I like. Like, I don't listen mm -hmm. to Kelly Bell Bellarini, Kelsey Bellarini or any of that stuff anyway. So, yeah. So I got to fire these guys. And then uh, I don't really want to bail on this kid, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if it's, if it's low paying, just say no. <laughs> and I'm looking at that thing that they, they sent you in. The fact that they're like, oh, well, we don't need a contract because it's net 30. Like, that makes no sense. So, you know, maybe come back to them and say, look, I really want to, if you do want to finish this and not hire them, you say, look, oh, I, I really want to finish working on this project with you, and I can, but we're going to have to have a signed contract even if it's net 30. Yeah, I mean, he's already basically refused to give me a contract. He's like, we've never, in five years, we've never paid a single freelancer in advance. Well, that's probably because they've never had a decent freelancer. That well, I mean, and he's, and he's, he's basically talking shit to me going, well, you, you, you did basically five minutes of work. Our intern did this in 15 minutes. I'm like, then have him finish it. What do you need me for? Why are you hiring me? If you have an intern that you don't have to pay shit to, you know, I, that's why I'm saying I was getting the feeling that I was going to do all this work, be stressed out as fuck getting this completed and then not get paid in the end. And I had a feeling that's where it was going. So that's why I'm just like, eh, okay. And you guys have suggested, hey, just throw it in there. Ask them for a contract or something now, and that'll tell you exactly what you need to know. And that's what I did. They asked for files. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not releasing anything until I at least get a deposit. You know, and I'm like, why do you need my files? If I'm working on it, why do you need my models, my optimized models for your animation? You can bail. Huh? So they can bail. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, F that in the A. I haven't responded since the last thing. He's like... We do, but so far I doubt that you can make it happen today anymore. We had Saturday, Sunday, and we didn't get really far, or you didn't work on it. If you say you have worked on it all weekend, then it's pretty clear that you won't finish the project in a day anymore. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it, then it must be really easy for them to do, and they could finish it today themselves, and they don't yeah. need files. When yeah, you were I mean, speaking of files and uh, overages and putting that in the contract, you put that in your contract, like 50% overage? I don't, have, I, need, files. I don't even have a contract. That's the first mistake right there. I don't even have a contract. We do. Our, our contract says no files given unless we have a very specific separate clause that we write in advance for that. Now, I usually state that in an email. When a client contacts me about rates and terms, I always state that. And I know it's not a contract, but it's still written something somewhere. Like most of the time, I simply say I need 50% upfront, depending on the total budget. And then I don't release any final files until I get final payment. And if they don't agree to that, I normally don't take it. But this was a case where it was like everything happened so fast. I'm like, Oh, I need a job. I need money. And I didn't, you know, like you said, it all comes down to just a lack of experience really doing this professionally and then just not really being patient with the situation. Um, so yeah, I mean, I kind of screwed myself, you know, admittedly in this situation in all these situations is where I'm at. Yeah. It's just learning. So, I mean, you'll get there. It just takes time. Yeah, I mean, I know um, I'm a solid artist. I'm a solid motion designer. I just need to find the right clients and, you know, really yeah. treat this as more as a business than a hobby. I'm going to backtrack like 20 minutes to something Ray put in the chat. I don't know if you got to see it, but he put this animation price guide from Get Right on it. it looks I clicked that really link. Really awesome. Yeah, I, I was clicking through it just to see how it related to where I am with charging stuff. And of course, it's going to vary based on region, but it it's pretty accurate. It's, it's within a, a grand or two of what I charge for most things. 
So 3D animation is considered something different than motion graphics, or is that isn't that tied into motion graphics? Um, I mean, I I think that's more like VFX type stuff. But if you click through it, um, say 3D, and then maybe like oh, I got you, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a lot of them are like stylized character integration or like Disney style stuff. But if you do motion graphics, that's definitely more aligned like abstract 3D or realistic 3D. So say you click on realistic 3D, it's saying for advertising, it's about 8,500, which- Oh, that, that duration isn't like days or months, that's minutes and seconds. Holy shit, no kidding. Yeah, like how long the video is. So that's where like, if you, it's right at a minute where it starts. So that's why I was saying like most of the time I charge anywhere from about eight to 12K Per minute of animation so this one starts at like for five minutes 37 no kidding okay yeah yeah and, and that's what it's saying too is the difference between, I mean, of course motion graphics is animation it is 3d a lot of times but it's saying like avatar as opposed to a bunch of mograph cubes flowing around <laughs> right yeah so like avatar style if you click on that five minutes of that it's going to be you know 430k better than in mograph if you do like realistic 3D for five minutes, it's about 10% of that. It's 42,000. Okay, I need to save this freaking link. Holy shit. Yeah, like I- And this I've is like an industry standard before. kind of thing? Like is this just kind of like I, from studio stuff or? Yeah, I, I. it seems like this might be a freelancer that he just keeps his pricing on his site so clients know. It's pretty accurate. I just put it yeah. in, we do a lot of visualization stuff for people's products. We don't put a lot of it on our site, but like we have like one place that we do a lot of animation for like this invention company that makes, like helps people take their patents and make them into actual products, you know? And we have a lot of companies like that, you know, cat files and all that. And so like we did one a couple weeks ago. And so I just did that as a standard and I put you know, animation and I put product visualization for one minute and like the numbers are pretty dead on. Yeah. Like that they're like, some of them are like higher than what I would charge for some things. And some of them are lower than what I would charge from some things. So I'd, I'd say this is pretty, pretty accurate and you can adjust the slider. I don't really agree with the difference between television and advertising on this site. I think they kind of go hand in hand or at least they should, unless they're thinking like local television, then I can see that. Well, doesn't advertising produce more revenue than television itself? Yeah, but I, I mean, I think of advertising as going on television as well. Like, well, yeah, but advertising would be for billboards, for video. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I, would, I would do it as like web, television, and film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or like web and television. Maybe that's what advertising encompasses yeah. like both platforms. And then film, yeah. I mean, honestly, like product visualization that we do, most of the people that we do product visualization for, if you put some really standard textures on something and just render it in Octane and not even spend a lot of time on it, that's all they want. Mm -hmm. They're perfectly happy with that. You don't need to go in and fine tune this metallic texture like Raphael Rao or something in order to give them a product visualization. So that would be more like web than than film, you know, to say, yeah, this is a web rendering. I'm using like some really standard colors and textures and octane and throwing them on their CAD file and calling it a day. So you guys do this every Monday morning, these meetings? Yeah, we try to. Sometimes they're on Tuesday if there's a holiday or sometimes they're pushed back an hour or two based on if there's somebody coming on. Uh, like Barton last week was at 11 a.m. instead of 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, 
so it was pushed back an hour. But yeah, generally speaking, really cool. Where can you re find the recorded files? Um, if there's a specific one, ask Mark, who's not here today. He usually has them saved to his hard drive because we're not posting all of them. We're only posting the ones where there's like a presentation or there's a, like a special guest or something sure. like that. Um, but like today's the, the Barton one, where is that? At? I think Dave, you I'll have that to be posted. Yeah, I'm okay. super behind, but it's, it's a really large file. Um, sure. Yeah, it's it's like seven gigs, right? It's yeah, I was seven gigs. <laughs> I'm gonna try and post that tomorrow on YouTube, so that'll be good. And then uh, if you check the Slack channel, and I can repost it too, I, I keep what's called uh, a Notion page. So it's just like an archive, and I try and take notes as we're going and um, have like the links to things. So anything that's been shared in the chat link-wise, I try and copy and paste it into a document. And um, the archive goes back to August 13th. That's the first time I started keeping notes for the calls. So Which Slack channel was that on? Uh, Motion Monday. So if you, are, you, oh. are you in the BroGraph Slack yeah, 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 yeah. So there's, if, there's a listing right in there. In the yeah, if you go into Motion Monday and I think it's pin. If you click on the pins, um, here I'll just, I'll just share it again right now so everybody okay. has. Cool. Cool. Thank, Thank you. you. This is like really awesome. Like I really appreciate all you like, giving me the advice and everything. I mean, it's it's really cool. I, um, I haven't fully figured out how to do it. I almost got there at one point, but. I did figure kind of how to get the notes and the notations and the time code to sync up so that they actually show up in the closed captioning, but oh, cool. not quite there with it yet. But eventually we'll have that. So like if you're on YouTube, you can turn on the closed captioning and see the chat in real time. Oh, that'll be awesome. Okay. Another, like somebody mentioned, like Ray was saying, was like, I never get a serious response bidding over 10K. I mean, <clears throat> obviously the more larger, say 10K jobs you get are like, but I mean, getting to that point is kind of a little harder though. Like, cause in most cases, like waiting around for that one first big 10 K job, you know, I, I know like you guys are saying it's dumb. I shouldn't be taking these low ass paying jobs, especially cause they're usually just bullshit all around anyways. How do you, I mean, how do you, you weigh that where it's like, well, I've got this three K I could be making, even though it is technically worth 10 K, but I'm not, I don't have any of these 10, 15, 20 K jobs coming to me. You know what I mean? Like how, how do you decide what think, to do in that sense i think it kind of just depends on the client like getting a feel for the client getting a feel for like where they are with working with motion designers in the industry and the like what kind of value they really want out of it like dave was just saying like sometimes you can just throw something in octane and like all right let's do a standard silver material here and whatever here and that's good and you know for something like that then you can kind of bend your rates a little bit more and say like all right you know, for a bigger client and with more polish, this is probably worth about 10K. But for someone like this, that's maybe like a local hospital or something where they just need something quick that they're going to throw on a local advertising channel. then you say, all right, I can do three grand for this, especially like for things that you can sell how professional you are. Like this kind of goes with selling a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I'm a professional. I have been doing this forever and I hear that you only have three grand maybe if we can push it up to five grand i can work with you here and then a lot of times clients at least in my experience if you give them like something within like a 10 to 20 percent range increase of where they are they can usually find that 10 to 20 percent so if they come at you with say you know 5k then you need another 10 percent 
or 20%, then you say, well, I, this is really going to cost like $6,000. They may find this $6,000 or they may find just like 5,500. And so you get that little extra and you know, it's only going to take you say four days or something. And um, you'll still have a happy client and maybe they'll come back again with other work or bigger projects and things like that. And I've had that happen where it's like, I'll bend my rates a little bit or I'll try and sell it a little bit more and they'll come back three months down the line with a bigger project that's actually worth 10K and they've worked with you before. So they trust you and they're willing to beef up their bu budget a little bit more to give you some more polish. So a lot of times it's trying to build that trust with a client and have like a little bit of a test job with them and see how it's going to work out and definitely like look for the red flags and use your contracts and things like that. But um, I, I have definitely taken lower paying projects that have ended up returning like tenfold later down the year. Like I, I did like a 2D animation for a client that's a, a local hospital. It was like a 30 second project. And I was like, I, I guess I can do this. And then they've come back again and again since then. And it's like, all right, that, that was worth it. Even though it was a little bit lower, I now have a steady income from this and it's turned into a relationship. I think also part of my inexperience dealing with professional clients is I actually haven't dealt, I've mostly dealt with other artists who have brought me on to help them kind of thing so i haven't really dealt with a lot of these direct with the client professional jobs yet either to be perfectly honest um <clears throat> like i said a lot of times it's word of mouth where like another artist i know of like hey who wants to do this job and i'm like yeah i'll give it a shot and you know they'll kind of pass me off but a lot of times i don't deal with the end user so um something else i was going to ask and i totally forgot what it was oh let's see so people are talking about doing a discount so include a discount. So I never do a discount. I, I always include what my rates are and we'll say, you know, what you want is going to take this many hours or it's going to take this much effort, but for what you are able to pay for it, I can only put this much effort into it. And, you know, I maybe I'll, I'll usually like undersell and over deliver and try and get them a little bit more than what they want anyway, just to help cushion that relationship but like sage is asking what's stopping from expecting a discount every time though and i've experienced that like i i was just a, a normal graphic designer for many years before i got into motion design and you know it's like all right i'll give you a discount on this logo or i'll give you a discount on this website and then the next time they come back like oh we need changes on our website or we want a whole new website like can you give us that 20 percent off again or like 10 percent off or whatever i gave them I'm like no not, see this is where it comes in it, it, it really does hurt you so I, I'm, I'm very there, much there, if you are going to do that I think there's a better there's there's two ways you could do it which is giving them um, like say your rate is 500 a day mm. right and you quote it out and then you're like okay I'll give you this kind of rate and you give them like 300 a day instead rather than doing it that way if you put your regular rate on everything and then at the end as as a separate invoicing line put you know negative thousand dollar discount yeah there's a mental thing when they look at it, say oh this guy's rate is pretty high and you know he's really helping me out right now yeah next time i think they're a little less likely to want that discount than if you write it in the other way where you just yeah. show a discounted uh totally totally yeah i i, I so i I should say like I, I have given discounts for other things too and that's exactly how I'll do it. Like end of everything it's like here's what this line was and buy line here and this and this and this and at the very bottom even like after profit I'll, I'll put like that this is 
it. So. And the, the other thing that uh, when you were talking about, uh, you know, waiting for those $10,000 clients, it's such a hard thing because, you know, we've all been in that, in that exact same boat. And I feel like Matt and I are finally getting to the point where we're doing less small projects and uh, more big projects, you know, in like as far as the ratio of how many projects we're doing. But um, when it comes to um, those side projects that come up that are smaller, I think finding those little niche places, especially even if you have something in your local market. Uh, for example, we had a place that, you know, like I was talking about that project visualization stuff. It's like there are so many clients out there. Uh, if you look, especially if you in your industrial areas of your city, where they are creating blowers, they're creating motor parts, they're creating whatever, right? Where you go in, you don't realize those places have decent amounts of cash for little animation projects if you can find the right ones. Mm. And you go up there and you, and you get to know them and you talk to them and for you to literally take a Cinema 4D, or I'm sorry, take a CAD file, put it in a Cinema 4D, take all the textures in it and do a generic convert to octane and render out a still frame with an HDR sky on it, they will be ecstatic to pay you a thousand dollars for like that one hour of work. Yeah. Yeah. I've definitely done that. Like I, I had a client reach out to me and they were designing pamphlets for um, this construction company that does like pre-built cement foundations and they didn't have any good photography for it. So they just got me like three shots and I just rebuilt it in like a day in Cinema 40. It was like five, five or 10 different products. And, uh, you know, I made a ton of money on that and I, I didn't do any work. It, it was nothing. It was just like standard polygon textures of cement, standard polygon textures of dirt. And, you know, it, it took nothing. Um, so I, I'd say like, you know, when you're hurting, definitely those are clients that are, are good. Because they're visualization, man. Yeah, it's, it's great. All those little companies doing CAD stuff, and you do that while you're looking for those big fish. Mm -hmm. I think that was the other thing I was going to ask about, um, like profile, like status, profile status, like because obviously, you know, with 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 you and 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 Matt, Dave, like I remember watching your tutorials before you were doing Brograph. Um, you were doing like really early Octane tutorials, but like I don't, know, Liam, you don't do like a lot of or um like look right i'm trying to get into tutorials as well like i i don't see a, i see more online presence from some people than others so how wait a minute i'm confused on names here you're you're liam, <laughs> I, I you? am liam yeah okay <laughs> i keep seeing marks or no i'm like yeah i'm like i thought you were liam so yeah i don't I've, i don't i mean i don't i don't know if we're friends on facebook or not or how much of an online presence you have but as opposed to you know matt and dave um like, how does that work as of how the, you know, the, the amount of clients or the, 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 I guess, quality of clients you get? Because obviously Matt and Dave have a high online profile, but I don't notice as much of an online profile from you, Liam, but you seem to be, you have steady work, I'm assuming, like you get pretty steady work yeah, on average. I, yeah, for the most part, but I, I mean, I travel a lot, like, uh, like I'm going to have to wrap this call up in a little bit because I have to go up to Philly in like 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> So like, like I was saying earlier, I go to these events, I meet people. I met Dave and Matt last year at DFWC 4D because I was listening to the, the podcast and I was like, fuck it. You know, like I can do that. I can get a flight out there. And then after meeting them, 
uh, I'd already been messing around with Redshift for a while. And then we went to half res after the FWC4D. And I was like, you know what? I just made this tutorial. How would you guys feel about kind of like co-hosting it? And the rest is kind of history with like online profile there. Um, but I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't really market myself too much. I've been on a couple podcasts and I don't know that that's really helped anything with like client wise. I think you're kind of all over the place, man. You're in school of motion. You got yeah. Thing, you got photograph, you're, you know, you do the MoChat stuff. You're, yeah. you're like in all the, all the places. Yeah. I think I know it is a specialized redshift guy, which is still a fairly small community compared to like the Octane or C4E community. So I think your, your advantage is you have that speciality, even though you, you're capable of all this other stuff. I think having that speciality probably helps a lot. Yeah, I, I think that helps. Like, so I, I did work with Barton earlier this year and like all I did was redshift texturing and like just helping with that. And that's because Barton knew my work from the tutorials and Matt had shown like, yeah, we can bring him on and he'll know what to do. Um, so that it does help there, but I think it, I think like really just being all over the place, like Dave said, like I, I don't have like a giant following and like podcasts and things like that, but like on Twitter, there's MoChat every Tuesday night. And I, I'm like almost always involved with that. I'm on a bunch of different slacks, uh, I TA for school of motion. So I have like anywhere from 50 to 200 students a quarter that go through my course. And those students can range from like noobs in the industry to people at blind that just want to up their skills. And so like, I'm, I'm kind of networking through that. I'm not really trying to, but they get to see, oh, I'm getting feedback from this guy and he knows what he's talking about. And maybe the next time we have a job, I can bring him on with that. Um, so, so I mean, I'm not- Networking probably a little better than like say online profile status kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, I do a lot of like in-person networking or like like these, like I, I get on calls like these with people a lot. Um, like after usually every week after we do one of these mark and i will get on a call and sometimes it's anywhere from like a 15 minute catch up like hey how was your weekend how did you think this chat went and here are the notes that i took to like an hour-long conversation of hey i'm working on this project do you think you could help me with this aspect of it and mark will bring me on to a project or vice versa if i have something going on that i just can't figure out i'll we'll pass work off to each other um, and that happens with other people like i'll chat with the other TAs on a Skype call and they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm working on this project for so-and-so and it's just not something I want to do right now because I have other work. It's like, oh, well, I'm not too busy. Maybe I can do that. And like, I'm doing some work with Grayscale Gorilla right now. And that's just from like knowing Chad over the past couple of years and meeting him at half res and meeting him at NEB and things like that. And he's just like, you know what? I, I trust you at this point and I really need some help. So he, he brought me on for five days, 10 days for a project. So, um, and yes, yeah, yeah, like <laughs> using as much as you can, getting out there and opening yourself up. Um, I think a lot of people have respect for people that just do stuff for free, like Dave and Matt just put out the podcast and they don't charge anyone for it. And they really give back to the community. They're not looking to like get $5,000 from mentorships and things like that. That's how I feel about my Redshift tutorials. Like I just put them out. If I learn something new, it's like, hey, cool. Like I, I, I should share this with people. Um, there's no reason for me not to share information and try and collect money on that. Like I have Redshift materials and I think the most I charge for them is like a bundle pack for $3. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I don't charge. Like I, I will maybe make a thousand dollars this year off those materials. And it's not really side income for me at all. It's just like, I made these, so maybe I should charge for them. But, 
Yeah, I think that'd probably hey guys, be better. I'm pacing out. I gotta go set up for the show, but uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna be streaming live early. We're gonna start at eleven, so I'll see y'all. Oh, okay. So yeah. But yeah, Other real quick, than, I think. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Other than uh, looking at clients for local markets and uh, and in Slack channels, stuff like that, where are you guys trying to find clients online or meeting up word much, of mouth or? That's pretty much it right now. Is like word of mouth. I mean, sometimes I get contacted, but again, I that's the only reason I care about say Instagram likes is because that's where I've gotten jobs because people like my work and they've contacted me through Instagram. So, and unfortunately with the algorithm, the more likes you have, the more presence you have. And that's where I was saying, like I did a tutorial recently. It was a very simple tutorial, you know, kind of for more for beginners because people were interested in how I did a certain design. So I did a tutorial on it. And then like all of a sudden, like my likes, you know, shot up on Instagram, you know, I was getting subscribers on YouTube and I didn't know if that would help build more of a presence. I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm not going to charge for tutorials. I don't know. I'm not an expert enough to be charging for tutorials. And plus I don't think what I do is all that complicated. I, 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 I do what a lot of artists can do is like, you can make something very simple, look really complex, you know, but it's a very simple process. Like this next tutorial, if I ever get to doing it, it's basically going to show what I guess, uh, um, Matt calls box modeling. I call it dirty, dirty modeling. Like it's semi clean polys, but it's not sub D. <clears throat> but a lot of people don't know how to do that. A lot of people don't worry about modeling at all. So I figure, you know, I was, that's why I was asking if like, if I should continue going the route of say like the ProGraph guys were like, they got a huge presence by doing these free tutorials and making, you know, free information available as well as like Grayscale and like, you know, Andrew Kramer or like with Liam, like he's kind of gone out there and he's gotten jobs by word of mouth because he's met people. He's shown he's a reliable source as well as a solid artist. So I was trying to weigh the difference where it's like, I I'm debating, I'm thinking that that would be better for me where it's like, if I start getting out to these events and hanging out with you guys more and meeting you guys, and then you see that I'm a quality artist and that I'm a quality person that I would get probably better jobs handed off to me from you guys rather than randos in a discord that has a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I mean, I, I normally, well, I guess I'll start from the beginning. Like year one, it was mostly local work. I would say it's probably like 80% local agencies and like little post-production houses and things like that. And 20% just online year two, uh, probably about a 50-50 split of finding work locally or just continuing working with those same places. But then mostly like the motion graph, graphics artist Slack, the MDA, um, our motion design artist Slack, that job hiring channel in there. I've found a ton of work on networking with people through MoChat and online that way. When a job comes up, they're like, hey, do you know somebody that can do this? And if I can't do it, then I'll pass it off. Um, and then year three, man, I, I think I've worked with one client locally this year, maybe, maybe two clients locally this year and everyone else has been remote and it's just been word of mouth going out there and traveling. Like I, I live in the Baltimore region and there's fucking nothing here. Like there's maybe, there's maybe like three good studios here and I can name uh, most, most of the motion designers on one hand, two hands, maybe. And um, outside of that, th that's it. So everyone else that I work with is been just from going to half res, going to NAB, meeting these people, building trust and shake, like shaking their hands. There's like, like, there's nothing like we can do this face to face and like build relationships that way. But like going and actually like physically shaking someone's hand and like meeting them in person or like, they're like, Oh man, I, like, I know you from wherever and like giving them a hug and like a real embrace, like that builds a different kind of confidence that you can't really get online yes, age of horse 
<laughs> but I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing is I feel like going to nav meeting all you guys was definitely a, a first step in the right direction. Cause I've gotten on your guys' radar mm-hmm. at least in a sense. And also hopefully, you know, I came across as, as a solid person to you guys. Um, but I, I agree. I think I, I need to, like I said, as I'm making money, I need to set aside that, like, you know, because that trip for NAB cost me about a grand to fly there for everything for the week. So, you know, set aside a grand 1500 every so often for one of these events coming up and make sure I can go to it. Like, I would love to go to Seagraph sometime. I've never been to a Seagraph. NAB was the first one of those things I was ever at. I've never gone to one before. Right. So, you know, like I wanted to make it a half res, but just there was no cash there. And I guess nobody technically goes to NAB New York. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess people do, but don't really either. It's more like a local gathering. Um, I've been thinking about going. I don't know. It's I, I may just hop up there and take a bus up for well, the day. Well, it's soon, isn't it? Yeah, it's like in two weeks, I think. Yeah, I mean, I might be able to swing it. I just, you know, who knows? I mean, I'd like to see the guys again because, I mean, if Dave and Matt are going to be there, I mean, I know Dave, David Ario is not going to be there. Um, I yeah. don't know who else is going to be there. Um, I, I mean, I think this nab was great because I got to meet Phil, you know, I got to meet EJ. Like it was like, I got to meet a lot of freaking people. Mm. So yeah. No, this... too, like you just mentioned David's name and this made me think of this too, for like networking. Um, I reached out to David almost a year ago just because he was on the podcast and he was saying like how slammed he was with jobs and like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm dead right now. Like I, I don't have anything coming in. If you want to just hand me like shit work that you don't feel like doing, I, I would totally love to just like take some work off your plate. And like the timing is perfect. And so I got, I've been working with David on this project for like a year for this documentary. So um, be creepy, like <laughs> keep your ears and eyes open and like listen to what people are saying. Like, oh, David just said like, he's like really burnt out. Send him a message and be like, hey, I don't have any work right now. And I heard you on the podcast. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I had lunch with, with David like a few months ago when he was down here in Florida on vacation, and that was right when he was working on the Mars thing and whatnot, and I think yeah. he was kind of saying that. But, I mean, I also have to be realistic about the quality of artist I am. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fairly solid artist, but I don't think – I don't specialize in a lot of what I think a lot of, like, you guys do. Like, I do dark sci-fi techie shit, and unfortunately it's seen as, like, wannabe people stuff, whatever. I mean, I don't – think that i think that might be part of my problem i just don't do a lot of clean bright professional stuff i'm capable of doing it i just don't so i, I that's why another part of the profile thing comes into it where it's like if mm-hmm. i'm always see if anything the only thing that's on my portfolio i mean i have professional stuff on my website like i've done product visualization for this job i've done store renders and whatnot but like D- david when he helped me cut my reel um he's like hey don't put this stuff in it unless that's what you want to do and i'm like yeah i don't want to but that stuff makes money you know right yeah. Yeah. There's a balancing act. Like I don't really ever want to do 2d animation ever again, but I still have like one or two pieces in my reel that I've kept in there just for like, you know, I, I wouldn't mind doing it occasionally, but that, that's just not where I want to go as a professional. Um, and ever since I did that too, like I, I've had two 2d jobs this year and the rest has all been 3d. So it, it definitely makes a difference. Um, Man, I, I totally want to keep talking with you guys, but I have to leave in about three no minutes. No, I totally understand. I, I really appreciate this today, guys. I do. Um, it was very yeah. helpful, very insightful, um, and I'm probably going to be definitely jumping in these more often. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, to clarify where you can find the recordings, we we only post the the uh, presentation ones. So, like, Raid had one that I don't think actually ever made it up online. I did a presentation. I don't think it made it up online because the audio got all stirred up. But Barton should be up this week, like Dave said. And then all these other ones we record just if somebody wants to listen in if they missed it. So um, it takes about 
12 hours for this to process online before we can download it. So I think by tomorrow, if you want to catch up on anything or get a copy for yourself, just reach out to me or Mark and I can log in and download it for you guys. Um, well, you put that link in the, uh, the Monday meeting room. Well, that's, so. Yeah, that, that's just notes. That doesn't oh, okay. have, have like the actual audio or video file for any of this. Um, those are just like, if we talk about ABC or um, that link that Ray shared, I put that in there and other stuff. I usually try and consolidate that in there. Yeah, I definitely like to check out the Barton one. Yeah, um, that was really good. I think it was like an hour and a half long and um, totally open and people were open to ask questions and we're gonna, I'm going to try and get some more people on and talk to like Chad, Ashley, see if he wants to come on and talk about how they do workflow like Grayscale Gorilla and, and some other people and see if they can come on. Um, and we just keep it open. So it's going to be like this. If there's like 20 people in the chat, just say that you have a question in the chat and we say, hey, Rob has a question, Billy has a question, so-and-so has a question and you can turn off your or turn off your mute and then ask your question and interact with the person and kind of just levels the playing ground a bit. So like, you know, Barton's this high profile person that's doing all this work for Nike and Under Armour and everything. But then in this kind of form, it really levels the playing ground and he's a real person. So that's kind of the goal of all this. Is there a link for the, the, the video archives? No, uh, I think, okay. I think Mark just has them all saved on his computer. I don't know what he plans on doing with them because they get really big. <laughs> they're, they're like 10 gigs a session. Thanks. Okay. So, the, so then there's no way for me to like, so how would I watch or listen to the Barton one? Dave is going to post that one up. on. Okay, the cool. But yeah. So like those bigger ones will be on the Brograph page. Awesome. Great. Well, again, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Yeah, guys. And yeah, have a great week. You. And uh, next Monday, same deal. As long as there's not any hiccups, we'll, we'll, we'll have it again. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, uh, right, thank guys. you. Yeah, guys, have a good one. You Bye, too. Guys. See ya.